So uh, a few weeks ago, we had the missions conference, uh, as you guys all know. We had um, a couple dozen uh, different organizations up with us, and we actually have a few people who are still in town, one of which is going to be sharing with us this morning. Uh, someone from Church on the Rock that was sent some years ago that many of you know and many of you who are new do not know. And so I would like to invite you guys to join me in welcoming to the stage uh, Jessica Peacheling. Try it again. Check. You're good. Check. Thanks, Scott. Hi. <laughs> hey. So um, uh, a lot of people here were a part of you uh, going to Peru in the first place. But could you just recap for those that don't know you, just who you are and what you do? Okay. Um, my name is Jessica Pichling, and I was part of Church on the Rock from the very beginning. I had just moved back to Homer and needed a lot of healing, and this church was. Uh, um, the perfect place to heal with Fresh Start and all mm -hmm. these wonderful ministries. Um, and as I started healing and, and were healed and got involved, um, I was part of the mission director team at mm -hmm. the time, and they wanted somebody to go down and, and check out a ministry with Lost Children of Peru that you heard share a little bit the last few weeks mm -hmm. um, when he was here, Larry Good. And um, I spent a week with them, and um, he worked with many different orphanages down there, and... Uh, my heart stayed at one of them, and I kept visiting and visiting till I could finally move down there. Yeah. And then um, what was the process for you moving to Peru? What year was that? And then? Uh, permanently was 2014, so almost six years ago. Okay. And then um, when you moved down, what was the primary kind of purpose? Like, just to summarize, what was the main kind of motivation for you going to Peru? Well, uh, when I had left Peru the first time, I heard the Lord speak to me because I said, what is this? feeling I have inside me, what, what do you want me to do with it? And he said, I want you to go back and I want you to show the kids love. They don't know um, what my love looks like. They've never experienced it and that's what I want you to, to uh, I want to use you as a vessel to show you, show the kids who I am. Yeah. And then uh, a couple years in, you met someone and you've gotten married. Can you share about your family? Too, yes. Uh, I'd been there about two years and I started getting involved at a Calvary Chapel down there and mm -hmm. met a um, man named Jonathan. And mm -hmm. uh, we got married uh, 2016. Yes. <laughs> and uh, Happens and to we, the best of us. <laughs> we, had a, we had a daughter, uh, 2017, so she's almost yeah. three. Mm -hmm. And her name is Gabriella. Yeah. yeah. She's so cute. Yes. Yeah. Um, so could you share, you know, for the last few years, what are you doing now and kind of what's, what's coming up? Well, uh, I'm still a volunteer at the orphanage where I started. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've seen a lot of the kids grow up now. Uh, we even had a boy live with us for uh, nine months. Um, and he now has his own son. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. And so it's been wonderful to follow these kids as they grow and even stay connected afterwards. A lot of the girls are mothers now, and I try to yeah. be involved in their lives. But I go to the orphanage every afternoon and, and work with the kids, um, help them with their English homework, and uh, just show as much love as I can. Mm -hmm. and <clears throat> Their summer vacation is coming up, so I get to be there a lot more, uh, and we get to do fun things. Mm -hmm. I get to go to the soccer games and just cheer on them and and uh, love on them. So. Yeah, and then what do you have coming up over the coming months? Like, can you share some of what you guys are in the middle yeah. of? Um, 
I am still in the States until early December, and then I'm going to be returning. And our church will have a surf camp. We have uh, visitors that come, all, uh, and we're going to do a, a surf camp, and we're going to do outreach to the skate community. And um, we have a lot of youth ministry going on at our church. So um, that's coming up in December. And my English um, classes at the orphanage will start in January. And uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, as I said, uh, a lot of you guys know this, but for those of you who don't know Jessica well, uh, this is the, the dream, is someone getting a call from God to go into missions, having the courage and the faith to say yes, and then sticking it out. The, the, the journey between the yes and into the future, there are a lot of unforeseen challenges and it takes um, endurance and commitment and the empowerment of God, but also the empowerment and the support of a community. And so for those of you who don't know Jessica and you call this your church home, this, you get to own Jessica being in Peru too. <laughs> this gets to be your thing that you get to pray for, that you get to give to, that you get to go visit if you want. You can do whatever you want. I'm giving you permission right now. You can do whatever you want. But we get to own this together. She's someone who came from Church on the Rock. And this is uh, uh, a privilege and an honor. And so I'm really thankful for you being here. Uh, I know there's all kinds of challenges. I appreciate your dedication for you and Jonathan both. Uh, your obedience to the call of God. So thank you for saying yes and for going. So could you just share a few ways? How could someone get involved? Oh, well, first I want to say thank you for, there's been some very faithful supporters over the years, and uh, thank you that you're still hanging in there with us. And uh, um, I left a couple information cards at the information desk in case you want to find out how to get in touch with me, or um, I'm going to um, get connected with you. Uh, you can contact me through uh, email, or um, there's a address. So I'm also here right after church. You can talk to me. And we're actually leaving for Wasilla shortly after, but I'll try to stay for a few minutes mm -hmm. and talk. Okay. And then if you want to look for information to give as well, that's on our website. And there's some information on the app as well. All the, the information for the conference is still on there. So um, Jessica, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for your obedience. We love you so much. Can you guys give her a hand? Thank you. Amen. Man, this guy pumps me up. I'm ready. I'm an emotional basket case this morning. I don't know if you heard this little side note, but uh, my daughter's volleyball team won the state championship last night. <laughs> I was up there in Anchorage for the games. There was six games this weekend. I actually woke up this morning like, am I sick? No, I'm just like, ha, still. Drove home through the snow last night. That might have contributed to it as well. Just give me a second, I'll be ready. <laughs> I love watching Sayla play. She's like, she's, there's a part of me. Actually, Jenny and I have, both have a little bit of this that I see in Sayla. She's like super chill, but she's not. You know what I mean? You know what I'm talking about? Like, wow, you're just like really laid back, but she's not. Oh man, it was so great. Intense games, super fun. I love watching my kids. 
I don't know if I remember telling, I may have told you this story, but if you've heard it again, it's still funny, or if you've heard it already. Uh, I asked my dad uh, to, uh, a few years ago, to take a group of our summer camp kids on a nature hike out at the homestead. So as one of our activities, he would take groups of like, probably like eight to 10 kids, uh, one hour at a time and one hour blocks, and then he would take them on a little nature hike to see the sights up the river. And so uh, he, uh, he was planning to take them up to where the old uh, scout camp is up on the Anchor River. Some of you might know where that is, up above the Anchor Bretson Homestead, because there's an eagle's nest there. And uh, my son Damon, uh, who I believe was like eight at the time, was part of one of those groups. And so they go up to they see the eagle's nest. And uh, my dad is explaining to the kids that with eagles, uh, the female eagles are actually bigger than the male eagles, which is rare among animal species. And Damon says, do you mean reverse sexual dimorphism? And my dad said, probably. <laughs> I love Damon's factual fascination. My third tally, or my third child, Talia. I love seeing her joy. <clears throat> So Philip Licht mentioned last week that all wiser kids get pets. You guys remember that? So this is what happened. When Sayla was young, we bought her a cat, Barky. And Barky, well, that was, she picked the name. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know where that came from. That's weird. Barky was killed by a car about a year after we had him, so we bought Sayla another cat uh, named Dancing Queen. <laughs> also not my, my pick. Uh, Dancing Queen was exactly what her name would imply. She was awful. Um, and uh, when we moved, she actually ran away, thank God. <laughs> So it's possible that someone still has a terrible cat that answers to Dancing Queen. I'm sorry if it's you. <laughs> so then we got, on Sayla's 10th birthday, we bought her a third cat because we had just moved into our new home. We knew we were going to be there for quite some time. And uh, her cat now is Dusty. Well, two years later, uh, I was looking for ideas for Damon's birthday, which also happened to be his 10th birthday. And I found on Facebook that someone was selling a bearded dragon, complete with the cage and everything, a, a large reptile um, that I don't actually want in my room, but I have a son who wants large reptiles in his room. So uh, it was a great deal, so we bought the bearded dragon for Damon. Fast forward a year and a half later, and Talia came to me and said to me these words. This is a true story. She said, so you know how each of us get an animal when we turn 10? <laughs> I said, I don't know. <laughs> what are you talking about? And she said, you know how Sayla got a cat when she turned 10, and Damon got a lizard when he turned 10, and how I'm going to get a dog when I turn 10? <laughs> and I said... 
well, first of all, I'm very impressed that you've been tracking that. Second of all, that was not intentional. And thirdly, no, you're not getting a dog. Uh, because, well, Phil explained it last week, all of that. And uh, I said, you know, dog re requires lots of care and for a long time. Like, you can't just care for it for a month and then be done. It's, they live for a while, unless they're barky. Anyways, they, uh, they'll probably be around for a long time. So, again, this is a true story. I, I came home a few days later, and Talia had handmade a book, a manual, for, for puppy care with pictures and everything, all of the steps for caring for a puppy. And at the end of it, she had a signed commitment to never lose her, her inspiration to care for this dog. <laughs> so yeah, the wiser kids all get pets. That's how that happened. <laughs> uh, gosh. I love seeing Jaden's awareness of others. His capacity to tune into other people. Kia's love to help in the kitchen. I don't know what it is. I loved to help in the kitchen as a kid. I loved baking. I loved cooking. And then there's Bo. <laughs> Bo primarily ended up with my stunning good looks. <laughs> We're going to look at John 15. If you guys want to open there. John 15, again, this is the last conversation that Jesus would have with his best friends before he would die. It's his final meal, his final conversation, his, his uh, final instructions. Uh, we see Jesus trying to do two things throughout this conversation. Uh, Phil talked a little bit about it last week with the promise of the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, and then I uh, introed it uh, the week before with a series of questions that the disciples ask, and we see two things. We see Jesus trying to sort of emphasize some key truths, and at the same time, uh, trying to encourage these men who are about to walk through a significant trauma. A significant trauma. Not only a significant trauma, but a significant trauma that's going to play out in, in, in many ways exactly the opposite of the way that they, they thought this story would end. And so we see Jesus trying to sort of equip them and, and, and encourage them for what's about to come that they don't quite grasp. Well, we're going to pick it up in, in John 15. And uh, John 15, Jesus begins by uh, using a, a, a metaphor. Uh, he's going to use a simple analogy, a simple imagery to communicate a point to his disciples. What I want to do this morning is I want to, want to unpack that imagery a little bit. It's very simple. Uh, it's, not, it's not difficult uh, to understand. It's difficult to apply. Um, it's not difficult to understand, but it is profound. And what I want to do is we'll unpack the imagery a little bit, and then there's one sort of hanging question, and this actually came up at our staff meeting when I was 
explaining to the staff what we were going to be talking about this week. I'm going to save the most important question for last. And differently than what I usually do, I'm not necessarily going to have points as I go through my explanation of the story. But when I land at the end, I'm going to give you two what I think are, are real critical observations from the story or truths from this story, from this uh, imagery. So, you ready? Yep. Yep. Okay. Well, we're doing this whether you're ready or not. <laughs> John 15. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. So, how many characters are in the story? Two. Jesus, the son, is the vine. Father is the gardener. Father is the one who planted and tends to the vine. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Ouch. Sounds like that would hurt. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. It's two characters. I am the vine, and my father is the gardener. And this is how my father interacts with the vine, with me. He removes the branches that are not fruit-bearing, and the branches that are fruit-bearing he removes the excess in order to maximize nutritional resources to the fruit, right? The goal is fruitfulness. The vine's purpose, the vine's goal is to bear fruit. And so the father tends to that vine towards that end. Now, Jesus has already predicted some painful things up and coming, so this is all tied into that. Every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he, or he, uh, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. And while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes it. So both are cut. But the second one, he prunes, removes the excess so that it will be even more fruitful. That, that actually, that's the whole imagery. Now, the rest of John 15 is a, is a careful and sort of detailed uh, unpacking of that image. Do you have the image? You got it? He continues on in, in, in verse 4. He says, now remain in me as I also remain in you. I want to deal with this really quick because as he unpacks the imagery, this is important. Remain in me as I remain in you. So he has already, we discussed this last week, he has promised the Holy Spirit, right? Um, but I want to distinguish something because when he says remain in you, it's a directive, right? It's a, it's a, a requirement. This is something that you must do or a command. Uh, remain in me. How many of you recognize that... Uh, it is, it is in God that you live and move and have your existence. You understand that whether you believe that or not, it's still true, right? 
So any willful act on your part doesn't make you any more or less dependent on the Spirit of God for your very existence. So then what does it mean to remain? It means to maintain vital connection to. Remain in me in the way that I remain in you through the Holy Spirit, which is again a promise of what's to come. And then he continues on. Second half of verse four. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain connected to the vine. And neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Now how many characters are in the story? Three. And now, this is the moment in the conversation where you say, wait a second, can you back up? Uh, This is an important piece of information that I needed earlier when you were talking about the, the cutting and the chopping off. I do this with my kids sometime when I'm trying to give like group instructions and no one's listening. There's two ways to do this. One is to say, and whoever finishes first gets ice cream. And they hear that, right? But they didn't hear everything that came before it. And so then they're suddenly panicked. Like, wait, what did he say? What are we doing? How are we getting ice cream? I don't understand what's happening. I am the vine. And you are the branches. Which means the description of cutting and pruning is about who? Us. He says there's two things that happen to branches. The first one is that there there are some branches that are cut off. Which means if you don't try hard enough, you're not going to make the team and you're going to get chopped. No, it can't mean that because it's contrary to the gospel. The gospel message that we preach here week in and week out uh, teaches us that all of my merit, all of my confidence, all of my righteousness is a gift that I received from Jesus by faith and I am secure in that gift. We sang it earlier, his love never fails. The branches that do not bear fruit are cut off because fruit is the evidence of something. It's like James talks about, you remember this in James? He says, listen, if uh, you say that you have faith, which is dependence upon God, and yet in your life it does not produce anything of consequence, then I would say that you don't have faith, whatever you call it. Because faith, dependency upon Christ, connection to the vine, always will inevitably will produce certain outcomes in my life that are evidence of an internal reality. 
They're not cut off be, uh, because they don't have fruit. They're cut off because they are not fruit-bearing. They do not have the life in them. And without that life, there is no fruit. Because fruit externally is evidence of some transformation internally. There will be some branches, even though they have their existence in God, and it is through them that they, that they live and breathe and move and have their existence, they will be cut off because they are dead. And in the second group, those that do bear fruit, he says, I will prune them. I will, I will remove the resource-draining elements that don't lead to greater fruitfulness. Pruning is not, is not, is not weeding. Uh, my, my wife is an avid gardener. She weeds constantly. She loves weeding. Weeding is attacking all those immoral little plants that want to suck the life out of your beautiful uh, plants that are fruit-bearing, right? Weeding is getting rid of the other things that attack it. Pruning is not a moral issue per se. It's not taking away the evil. It's taking away the excess that, that takes resources away from fruitfulness. Have you ever felt that God was, was taking something from you and your response was to him, but it's not wrong, so I should not have to give it up? Anyone? Me and Jess. Talk later. I've done that, right? Well, I'd, that's not fair. There's nothing, there's nothing inherently wrong or immoral about this thing that I enjoy. God says, no, the, for the fruit-bearing plant, I will, I will cut away those things that are part of the plant, but don't lead to fruitfulness. I will take those things away. And guess what? It will always feel like cutting. Ow. I will remove those, those parts of your life that, that, that uh, require resources and yet don't lead to fruitfulness. So, <laughs> I think there's one apparent conclusion from his, his, his image, and that is that bearing fruit is important. You're tracking with that so far? Seems like bearing fruit is key, but how? He continues on, verse five, pick it up again. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers, and such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Again, Phil touched on this last week, but the, the, the source of a fruit-bearing life is a vital connection to the vine. You understand that that's like, it's 
Like I said, it's not a complicated point. You want fruit in your life? Remain connected to the vine. You lack fruit? Reconnect to the vine. Okay. I said I was going to save the most obvious question to last. Here it is. What is fruit? Because there's a whole lot of chopping going on. And I would like to know what the fruit is that is, that is supposed to be. It seemed to me that there's a lot on the line in this discussion. So what is the fruit? In Matthew 7, he says, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit and a bad tree bears bad fruit. It sounds pretty serious. In Jude, he's warning about uh, sort of evil imposters that have infiltrated the Christian community, and he describes them this way. He says, these people are blemishes at your love feasts, eating with you without the slightest qualm, shepherds who only feed themselves. They are clouds without rain, blown along by the wind, autumn trees without fruit and uprooted twice dead. Right? Twice dead. Not only are they ripped out of the ground, but there's no fruit on them. So here it is. The fruit of any plant or tree is simply a reproduction of the original seed. The fruit of the plant is nothing more than the plant reproducing itself. Where do apple trees come from? Apple seeds. Where do apple seeds come from? Apples. Where do apples come from? Apple trees. Where do apple trees come from? Do you need me to keep going? Fruit is simply the plant reproducing itself. Isn't it amazing that when you put an apple seed into the ground, that that seed contains all of the instructions to exactly reproduce more and more of itself. Drawing from the resources of its environment, that little seed has everything that it needs to turn into an apple tree that produces more apples. said in the beginning that I love watching my kids. I love watching a version of my wife and I walking around outside of us. It's crazy. The truth is, is that I see some of my own 
negative characteristics reproduce in my kids. And it would be really fun to go through that list as well, but I won't throw them under the bus. <laughs> if Jesus is the vine, the branches growing from that vine will inevitably reproduce Jesus. The fruit that the Father desires is the image and likeness of Jesus in me and through me. So what does this mean? I want to look at three areas where we make this application. The first is in suffering. Is the likeness of Jesus being reproduced in and through me as I suffer? Say, wow, that's a that's a tough one. That's a big request. That in the midst of my suffering, that the thing that would come come out of me, the thing that would grow in me and then out of my life, through my life in the midst of suffering, would be the image of Jesus. How do you do that? Well, you already said how. You remain connected to the vine in the midst of suffering. You strengthen your connection to the vine. Remain in me. My wife lost her little brother last year, which many of you know. Uh, he was battling cancer, and it actually wasn't the cancer. It was the, some symptoms related to his treatment that eventually kind of got the best of him, and he just didn't survive the battle. He was 30 years old, and uh, it's so interesting. Jenny and I have, have talked, of course, many, many times just about, not just about the loss, but about uh, uh, the process of navigating that loss. And this is what I would say this is one of our observations. There doesn't seem to be any area in life where people will so readily excuse an absence of fruit than in the midst of suffering. The people who love you will allow you to not bear fruit in the midst of suffering. And yet, when we are connected to the vine, when we, are, uh, when we stay meaningfully, vitally, powerfully connected to the vine, even in the midst of suffering, even when the weather gets bad, fruit is the outcome. It's the image of Jesus that is manifest, that is made known, that is revealed, even when I walk through trauma. And especially when I walk through trauma. That fruit continues to come forth. He says in John 15, 7, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So this is in the context of this whole conversation, right? This is in the context of fruit bearing. 
He says, through that vital connection, and your commitment to not only remain vitally connected, but as a result of that vital connection, to bear fruit in that context, if there's anything that you lack, ask me, and I will provide it for you. I'll give you that thing, gladly. I'm committed to your success in bearing fruit. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, um, this is a little sidebar. Uh, I am teaching a Tuesday training class coming up, uh, starting this Tuesday, actually, starting in two days from now. It's a four-week class, and I just call out the Word. And it's basically just a, a class to equip you with some simple Bible study tools. I've done this class in the past. Some of you have taken it. I'm actually changing it up a little bit uh, to make it, in my estimation, maybe a little more user-friendly. Uh, but one of the ways, one of the most important ways that we remain vitally connected to the vine is through intake of the Word of God. And yet for many of us, we struggle in that arena, right? To sit down, to, to open the pages, to read the pages and have that translate into something meaningful. Many of us struggle with that. We'll read a paragraph and we can't even remember what we just read right? We mean well, but it's difficult. So that class, it's four weeks long. I'm going to give you some tools, just uh, simple tools for reading the Word and becoming a better student of the Word. If you want to, do we have a sign-up over there? I think so. Maybe? Yes? Sign-up over here. Starts on Tuesday. It's at my house. It's going to be amazing. Second area, your work. Is the likeness of Jesus being reproduced in and through me as I make money? In the way that I treat my employees or my subordinates, is Jesus the fruit? In the way that I treat either my boss or my employers, is Jesus the fruit? Is Jesus the thing that is that that? that is in me and comes out of me in that environment, in the way that I treat my competitors, is Jesus the fruit? How does that happen? By remaining connected to the vine. When you are connected to Jesus, Jesus comes bleeding through in every area of your life. What about in your relationships, in your most intimate relationships? Is the likeness of Jesus growing inside of me and through me into my most intimate relationships? Do the people who know me best see Jesus in me and through me? Because this is the crazy thing, is that in my most intimate relationships, when, when Jesus is in me, transforming me into his likeness, into his character, and that's what's coming out of me, this crazy thing happens. As I bump into people, many of them become more like him too. 
there's this, there's this ripple effect of fruitfulness. Jesus reproducing himself into the lives of others through my life. Because remember, grapevines don't just produce grapes. Grapevines produce grapevines that produce grapevines. Is there an area of your life that is not as fruitful uh, as it should be that you want to focus on? Tell you what you should do. Deepen your connection, your vital relationship to Jesus through prayer, through his word. If you have given up on that, if you've tried and tried to discipline yourself, to be in the word, to be in prayer, and you feel like you've failed so many times and you've given up, start over. Start again. Establish that vital connection. Reestablish it. Even being here this morning, surrounded by believers, is one of the ways that God has designed for us to remain vitally connected. And is there an area of your life that is not fruitful and will never be? Just chop it off. Whatever it is, just, just prune it. Just go for it. Get rid of it. It's not worth it. I don't think there's any area of our lives that we, we hold on to fruitless branches uh, more tightly than in the area of rest and entertainment. What I do to relax, Jesus says, listen, if there's, if there's anything in your life that's not producing fruitfulness, it's my intent to, to get rid of it. Invite the worship team up. Here are my two truths I promised you in the beginning. The first one is this. When I reproduce Jesus, God is made to look great. When I reproduce Jesus in and through my life, God the Father is made to look great. John 15, 8. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit and show yourselves to be my disciples. This is to my Father's glory. When you, when you have so embraced me that my character, that my purpose, that my mission overflows from your life, God is glorified in that. It's so much pride in watching my own children reproduce Christ-like qualities that I've, that I've worked for decades to see brought to life in me. And you know when they do that, it makes me look great. It brings joy to me. When you allow, through your vital connection to Jesus, 
transforming work through his Holy Spirit to become more like him in character and purpose, God is glorified. Secondly, reproducing Jesus is for my joy and his. Reproducing Jesus through every area of my life is for my joy and his. John 15, 11, I have told you this, all of this, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made complete. That's his motivation. I'm not after you to take things away. I'm actually after you to increase joy in your life. Those non-fruit-bearing branches in your life, they will not lead you to joy. And so while it feels like tearing, while it feels like cutting every time I take one of those things away from you, understand gardener's intent, the heart of the Father, is to increase your joy and increase the joy of his Son. That's the goal. And that is the conversation we need to have with ourselves every time that we're negotiating and saying, is this really worth it? That's where faith comes into play when we say, I know that you want to take this thing, but it seems really valuable, and I'm not super confident of the value of the thing that you say will replace it. But I trust you. And so let's go. I'll give it up. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy will be complete. And it's made complete as the life of Jesus is reproduced in and through my own. Amen. It's simple enough, right? luck. That's what I want you to do when you leave here today. You might do this in conversation with someone. Maybe you'll do this privately. Just come before the Lord and say, God, put your finger on that fruitless branch and give me the grace to let it go. Uh, We're going to have a time of worship now. Uh, We're going to have prayer team ministry members over here. They would love to pray with you if it's in response to this teaching or if it's for any other need, whether you have physical needs, emotional, financial needs, whatever it is, they would love to join with you in prayer. We have offering receptacles along the back. We also have communion. This is so key. This is part of the reason why we do communion every Sunday, is that in looking at a life of fruitfulness, must not lose sight of this. It is Christ in me, the hope of glory. When we take the bread and the cup, we remember again that it is his life in me. And then we're going to worship. Would you guys stand with me? Let's come before the Lord here for just a minute. God, I know in my own study 
even over this past couple of weeks that you have highlighted in my own life places where your likeness has not been made known. It's not evident. It's not obvious. I even acknowledge now my need to deepen my connection, my vital relationship to the vine. So thankful for uh, the kindness and the gentleness that you display in, in speaking those truths to us walking us by grace to life, by extending the invitation to joy. God, give us the grace to respond favorably to you this morning, even now, as we come before you in worship. In Jesus' name. Um, I lived in Hawaii for seven years. And uh, we, in our backyard, we had a couple avocado trees and a mango tree and some banana plants and papaya and a few little koi vines, all the goodies, right? Um, and they're all free if they produce fruit. And that's the trick. We had one of our trees that had like mildew and I wasn't producing fruit. It was three years in a row. We couldn't get it to produce fruit. And I wasn't really sure what the deal was and found out that I... There's some branches that I was supposed to be cutting, and I cut those, and as soon as it was seasoned, it was full of fruit. They were the few that I was getting before, it was 10 times as many, and they were twice the size and twice as delicious. Now here's the thing, uh, cutting branches is not the most fun thing, but it is the most worthwhile thing. Amen? It is actually a joyful thing to be able to say to Jesus, Lord, what is it that you have for me? What do you want to cut off? And where do you want to double the fruit? Where do you want to bring more fruit? What do you want to do? It is a joyful thing. So this morning, as Aaron said, uh, take a step forward in that. You can get prayer. It's available. Uh, they'll be around for a while after the service. But take that time to ask the Lord, what is it that you want to do in my heart and through my life?